I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know everything's alright. Welcome in to our fifth installment uh, after the most chaotic week of the year. We are pleasured to be joined by none other than the reigning league champion, the resident Italian, uh, the newest resident of Stillwell, Kansas, Anthony Cameron. Cambo, welcome in. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to discuss fantasy football and college football today. Uh, Crazy week all around the sports landscape, if I do say so myself. Uh, Jack, have you been looking forward to this guest feature? Yes, I feel like camera is really going to pop on the mic. I, I really want to start here with um, what happened going into the week. Um, we had, uh, it's it feels like forever ago, but this happened after we recorded our last podcast. Uh, we, we had a huge moment. Um, Adam uh absolutely fleeced Metcalf um he got Justin Jefferson who is probably the most electric wide receiver in fantasy and definitely has had a couple underperformances recently but has shown his potential to just go nuclear um and Clyde Edwards-Alaire who has looked great in every game on a uh, amazing Kansas City Chiefs offense probably going to be Clyde's best season barring injury um and he got him in return for Eckler who is great, but is having a down year right now. And uh, uh, Garrett, uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, who I, I don't think would start on any team today. Um, so I, I really, I think everyone was kind of wondering, are we going to veto? What's going to happen? And uh, within an hour, we saw during the workday, the whole last workday, we were all at our offices and uh, we saw a the league's first one-up take place. Will Frankie stepped in and gave up uh, Derrick Henry. And uh, who was the other piece in that trade? Um, Michael Pittman. Henry and Pittman, two very high-caliber players for Metcalf's two higher-caliber players, ended up getting a very, I think, even trade. But I guess I'll ask that to you. I mean, I guess the first question is, who do you think ended up being the biggest winner out of that whole situation? Well, I would say it's got to be Met- Metcalf. Um, originally, he was getting fleeced, but then we got switched around to where now I think we all kind of agree that Frankie f- fleeced himself. There's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe I just don't value Clyde that heavy, but as we'll talk about later, he Metcalf did uh, inadvertently... Give himself an L on the year. I mean, <laughs> he did. He did trade over uh, those those tools, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Henry produced, um, and uh, Frankie really it was it was the it was the name Jeff game that that, that got it done. But um, I think I think the biggest loser has to be Adam in this trade. But uh, 
is 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 this good for the league, Cambo? You know, I am yes, and in the long term, yes, it is good for the league. Uh, you saw something that probably would have just been vetoed, and nothing would have came from it. Uh, turn into a move. I do have a bone to pick uh, with Mr. Meatcalf, however. Uh, earlier in the week, uh, Riley wanted Jamal Williams and was in trade discussion. And I simply said, I offered him, I said, I will package more. Who are your untouchables? And he said, by no means am I trading Jefferson or Mahomes. And then a day later, I hear Jefferson is on the trade block. Uh, Not sure if I would have had to package what could have came there or one up that trade. Uh, But uh, a little shady business going on uh, over in Prairie Village, and I'm not liking it. You know, I'm I'm generally I'm generally not a fan. I think it's bad practice on on both sides, and it's, it's honestly a little bad faith to treat any of your players as untouchables. Um, I think I mean it's not going to hurt your team to hear trade offers, you know. And um, I think Metcalf clearly shut out uh, any aspirations you had. But um, peek behind the curtain here. I had a similar situation with uh, Mr. Kissler um, just the other day. Uh, we were in some trade discussions and a totally unrelated trade. And he called Mark Andrews untouchable, which I, I, I think is just unproductive. You know, I mean, you're talking about a high performing tight end. He's probably, you know, great for Adam's team, but uh, yeah, I mean, doesn't matter who they are. I think you got to be ready to move whoever it is to make your team better. I remember one year um, I had David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell on the same team who were the two best running backs that year at the time. And my team was pretty weak on wide receiver. So um, instead of just saying, you know, well, I had the two best running backs and that's all I need. I, I uh, did this trade with D. Shea where I got Melvin Gordon, who was taking off at that point with the Chargers, and Julio Jones, who was one of the top wide receivers that year, um, for David Johnson. And uh, yeah, I think, I think you generally – that's how those blockbuster trades happen is just an openness – this is not an attachment to any one player. I mean, Jack still may be feeling about Jonathan Taylor, but maybe not after these last few weeks, Jack. No, I mean, I, he, he's definitely on the table. Um, what was the trade you offered him, Mixon and Elijah Moore for Mark Andrews? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not too dissimilar of what happened. Uh, it came <laughs> to me with Mixon. I, I don't want to violate his privacy too much, but he did come to me for, 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 for Mixon. So it was, you know, Mixon was going one way, Mark Andrews was going the other way, and there were some additions, and we couldn't see eye to eye. But um, I, I, I do think if you hit up Adam about uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's he might be interested in moving in case that interests any of you boys. Conrad, um, I heard about you uh, trying to one-up uh, Metcalf's trade with Mixon and Judy. I, I did, and I think I do think that, that would have been a uh, a better a better one. But uh, Frankie clearly uh, just double up that. So yeah, I mean, it, it you happened. Think Henry and Pittman is a better package. Oh, I mean, Henry Henry and Pittman are, are probably the stronger side of the deal, um, and obviously a stronger package than. I mean, I the only thing I could have offered more was what Metcalf was asking, which was Mixon and. AJ Brown, which just I that I do not rate Jefferson and Clyde quite that high, and you know neither does really the like, neither does the machine. 
Conrad, you got to stop just evaluating uh, fantasy pros analyzers. <laughs> uh it's it's a lot more than that it's the eye test as campbell would say um but it's also it's also analytics it's it's removing it's removing it's removing the passion the weakness of passion and it's keeping the strength of passion uh the other trade i want to talk about um the other thing that went down was uh another insanely unbalanced trade where out of nowhere dawson just shouts out hey if anyone wants a tight end i got one and then yeah like 20 minutes later again middle of the work day we see uh, Tyler Lockett and Travis Etienne go over to Noswad for Tyler Conklin and Noah Brown. And, you know, this was another situation that we were all ready to see someone one up it, but it was a unique situation where Tommy was rating Tyler Conklin's first, first few weeks. And, uh, no one with a top tight end really wanted to move that top tight end to make that deal. Um, and when all seemed lost, Noswad, ever the virtuous member, uh, one up himself because he felt bad about it, uh, and we saw a much even trade um, of Etienne for Conklin. Uh, but Cambo, I mean, who do you think ended up winning in that end result? I always value the tight end position higher than uh, most fantasy managers do. Uh, I just think it's nice having one you can rely on. Uh, you know. Noswat won the trade because he had three stashed on his roster. I I value that position, but come on, three tight ends. Uh, unless you're planning on double flexing or anything like that. Noswat knew what he was doing with the waiver wire. I'll give him his props. I'm not giving him his roses. Uh, and <laughs> at that point, I think, yeah, I think Noswad won the trade, and I think he uh, – you know, I think he won some goodwill with the league uh, by one-upping his one-up. Uh, I mean, once again, though, we just got to see what goes on with Conklin and what goes on with ETN. They're both on teams that, uh, you know, not not saying anything, but uh, quarterback situation can always become a question quickly. Uh, and... You just hope to see that uh, it works out. For, it's one of those trades you want it to work out for everyone. Uh, and then moving to the trade block, just really quickly, um, I, I I like to self advertise uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's him. Uh, so if you want a Himothy on your team, uh, who's really just gotten better every week after the top finish for all running backs last week, um, I am definitely looking for. Uh, an alpha wide receiver too. Um, I also saw Frankie throw out that he wants to move Melvin Gordon. I know Cambo. Um, I mean, this is probably the, the waning hours when this podcast will come out, but I know Cambo was interested in moving Naimi Hines because he's not even starting him. Uh, and not because Naimi Hines wouldn't be a good start for the week, but because Cambo has a lot of great options at running back. Uh, you guys got anyone else that you're aware of on the blog? Yeah, so I'm probably looking to trade Mike Evans, um, but I would have to get a really good player just because we see the potential for his red zone looks this year. Um, like, I think there's a higher chance that they look to a Mike Evans spade route more than Leonard Fournette up the middle if they're on, like, the two-yard line. Um, so you probably move Mike Evans for my Josh Jacobs? <laughs> would I trade Mike Evans for Josh Jacobs? <laughs> Let's make a deal. 
Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're equivalent, Conrad. Uh, all right. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, Cam, any, anything you want to plug about Nymeen Hines or anyone else? Yeah, I'm not looking to sell Hines for much. Uh, I know this is getting to the late hour because we play Thursday, but, uh, you know, someone needs to rent a player. I'm here to rent. Uh, kind of like the, uh, uh, kind of like just need a win. You're desperate. Want something to flex. Don't like your flex options. Let me know. And uh, yeah, I think some of the teams this week definitely uh, are probably feeling like they don't need to trade because after a down week across the board for fantasy, this was an absolutely explosive week. I don't think anyone feels like their team had a bad week. Um, Maybe Will with the 90-point game, but even that isn't a bad week. Um, And just a lot of extremely high-scoring affairs. Uh, I think the first one we want to cover here is uh, the one that everyone's eyes were on, uh, Will Frankie versus Riley Metcalf. Uh, This was uh, probably the game of the week, given the circumstances, uh, regardless of what the end result was, because Frankie's a guy who, you know, you you can't start 0-4, and uh, and he was was fighting for his life out there. Metcalf was ready to assert himself as, as a true top dog in the league, uh, and you know, a lot was going to be determined by the end result. And as so often happens in fantasy, it comes down to like three and a half points. Um, I think something that really stood out for me here was Russell Wilson finally stepping up for Frankie. Um, <laughs> while Melvin Gordon got negative 1.2 points, which is just hilarious. Just very Denver Broncos, even when they're doing you right, they're just doing you wrong. Um, he had Justin Jefferson and Clyde just popped off in immediate payout of the new trade. I'm sure Metcalf was feeling the sting of just looking his boys directly in the eye as they just brought the pain. Um, and yeah, I think, I think Frankie's team, you know, Cooper Rush is feeding CD. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is looking like the man out there until Elijah Mort gets back. Uh, yeah, I, I would be feeling pretty good about myself right now if I was free. Yeah, I would too. I mean, you look at it, uh, Clyde looks like he's here to stay. He's going to be in the RB1, RB2 discussion all year long. Now you've got Justin Jefferson. Uh, it's early in the season. You can turn it around. You hope you can find a better flex option, uh, looking deeper into that bench. Uh, Not much is going there except maybe when David Montgomery comes back, but right now, probably next week, I guess with Javante out, you flex Melvin and uh, hope for the best. But other than that, your other options are Tyler Boyd, who's hit or miss, or Raheem Mostert. Meanwhile, you look over at Riley's team, uh, I think it's healthy. You have stable scoring in Derrick Henry. You can hope you get a touchdown vulture game out of Kareem Hunt. Mahomes is Mahomes. uh, And the wide receiver room is lacking all around. I think that is more of an anomaly than the norm. uh, When you look at Drake London only dropping 2.7, Gallup below 10. uh, But you did see Josh Reynolds pick it up with uh, Amon Ra out for the week, and you wonder why... Riley didn't key in on that. Maybe you don't trust the Lions, but as a hard knocks believer that I know Riley is, uh, 
I was kind of kind of questioning that. I'm kind of out on Terry McLaurin for this year. Uh, I think between him and Dotson and uh, Carson Wentz kind of just struggling to be a competent quarterback. I mean, I don't know. Uh, the jury's out, but I do think both these teams are in good positions to compete for a wild card spot or even higher in the playoff chase. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. Um, I was actually with Riley on Monday Night Football. So I, did, <laughs> I did see his heart go out when Jeff Wilson ripped off a thirty yard touchdown run. But uh, yeah, me and Ra- me and Riley, we've been we 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 made some over over the table scheming here recently. So I trust his judgment as a uh, whoa. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh. It's all been in person. Oh, I see. I see. Well, kind of like that <laughs> think, that collusion up in Michigan last year. <laughs> I said over the table, not under the table, Connor. <laughs> yeah, but I like everything being uh, being in the group chat. Like, be, <laughs> like when you, you make your trade uh, one-up offers in the group chat. Hey, um, if I'm going to post them, everyone else should know what I'm sending. Um, but, but, but back to the point. I really liked uh, – Metcalf's team this week it was super gritty with the TJ Hawkinson 30 <laughs> point but it's just you hate to waste that on a loss like yeah like when is your tight end ever gonna get 30 points again um but I don't know I'm, I'm excited for both of these teams and hopefully Will can make it back into the uh top six join the rest of us yeah I don't I don't really I think I disagree with you guys I don't really think Metcalf should be too happy about this week um he was really <laughs> carried by Hawkinson and Brett Maurer the Dallas kicker who got 16 points I mean collectively those boys put up you know like uh 52 points um that's those are both complete anomalous scoring I mean obviously you feel good about your tight end Hawkinson now um but uh yeah I mean as Campbell was pointing to um, I'd be really concerned right now about my wide receivers. Um, I think although the running back room is going to just be so firm with DeAndre Swift and Derrick Henry running together, I don't think the league is ready to see that on paper. And if Terry and Pittman just happen to work out, yeah, with Mahomes anchoring that, that's, that's a team that can be anyone. Um, and then, of course, uh, Chuba Hubbard is always waiting in the wing um, in case Metcalf wants just someone with, who will put up zero points a game. Um, and Mike get a carry. Uh, that was he, it's it's a great option to have, and I'm so happy that Metcalf is using one of his bench spots and used his tenth round pick on such a valuable asset. Um, I think moving on to uh, another game that uh, really came down to the wire here: Telford and Bichet. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I have another Telford timestamp in. Uh, that one's up to Jack. But, uh, you know, Cambo was saying this is going to be the real game of the week. Um, I definitely think you can make the argument. Uh, this was just two all-around solid performances by both teams. Um, I really liked what I saw out of Dishay. Just, you know, like, I, I don't think Dishay should feel too bad about this week. You know, after some really bad weeks, um, he is, he's, he's putting up numbers again. And, uh, you know, he needs Devontae Adams to be there. Um, Miles Sanders, just nuclear game. I think Sanders will continue to be a very solid option. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think a lot of Dishay's success is going to come down to 
how much just how much of a bust DJ Moore is because I have DJ Moore in another league and I'm still holding out for him because he's just so good and he is you know has all these high projections every week and then Baker Mayfield overthrows him by about three feet. Um, so yeah, I think I think this is this is a team that again I'm surprised that we haven't seen a trade yet because I think it's a little stagnant. Um, I think it's going to be very streaky. Um, but uh, I'm feeling a little optimistic if I'm D Shay. Yeah, um, D Shay, one I traded with last year and ended up with Najee. So uh, I know Declan's the type of manager oh. that's going to go out and actually make a trade and try and make his team better. Uh, but I can't agree with you more on DJ Moore. I also have him in another league. And right now I wouldn't touch anybody that wears Carolina blue with a 10 foot long pole. Even uh, CMC? Even CMC. I think Matt rule is ready to take on the Nebraska job, which we'll get to later. Uh, <laughs> I think that team is a, uh, I think that team is cursed. Any, I wouldn't touch any Panther uh, whatsoever. Uh and looking over at Telford's team, you know, I think it was a smart play playing Geno Smith, but I don't know how consistent that can be in the future. Uh, you know, you got a tight end in Kittle. Uh, Telford actually this week offered me a trade, uh, Kittle and someone else uh, for Kelsey. And I really tried to get Cup, uh, but. You know, the cards just weren't going to fall, and it was a bad night for both of us to kind of discuss it. Um, but, That's interesting. you know, this rebranded Telford, I love it. I'm here for it. This is the Telford I've wanted in this league. This is the Telford that I knew could contribute to the league. And now that you get him out of Vanderbilt and you get him into Dallas, uh, we're looking at uh, a Telford with a little bit more swagger, a little bit more confidence. <laughs> And this is a team that I fear. And if we can get some sleazy streams out of the mad trash pod, uh, out of that fan, uh, you know, Telford's a dangerous team and not one that I'm wanting to face. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. He's, he's too smart for his own good right now. He is like that Geno Smith pick this week. I was talking with Metcalf. It was so savvy because he also had Kirk and Derek Carr. Like, <laughs> he does not win if he doesn't play uh, Geno Smith this week. That's true. That's true. And, like and uh, yeah, Kirk and Derek Carr are always seen as two very serviceable players. Probably played Geno because of, the, of uh, Kirk and Carr's bad matchup. But also, Geno's just amazing matchup against the Lions. I, I wonder how many people will just be chasing the next Lions matchup at this point. Uh, the Lions, of course, who are the uh, – what do you guys think is the crazier stat? The Lions are the hi highest scoring team in the NFL and have, are one in three, or the Ravens have trailed for a total of 14 seconds this year and are two and two? I would say the second one is the most surprising because uh, if you watch the Lions play, they are doing nothing on defense. <laughs> Some classic uh, Robert Griffin III Big 12 football. Yeah, the Lions almost uh, remind me of those uh, early 2000s Chiefs offenses where, you know, they they put up numbers, but the defense is just terrible. Uh, you know, and if you look at the Ravens, um, I can see that 
I can see that happening. I mean, 14 seconds is absurd, but uh, yeah, now that I think about it, 14 seconds is an absurdly short amount of time, but even if you were to put that at two minutes, that's a team who in the fourth quarter just struggles, and I think they pile on these points early, 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 and by the time it's the fourth quarter, the gas is off the pedal, they're running the ball, and their defense just isn't stopping, and you look at both these teams and a lot of teams around the NFL right now. And the defense is just lacking. They're definitely not football guys of the week right here. If you're not caring about your defense and you only care about offense, but what do we know? It's the 2020s. Maybe the air raid is coming soon. We're looking at big 12 style football. (laughs) Spread it, baby. (laughs) Uh, The, the, I mean, the Ravens are a team that as a chiefs fan, um, I don't want to have to face in the playoffs. I mean, I'll take them over the Bills or maybe the Chargers. But they're also a team that I feel like we're just not going to face in the playoffs, honestly. Like, I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where they just don't really get to us. Uh, you know, we beat some team like the Bengals or the Dolphins or something. And then instead of playing the Ravens, they just totally just lay an egg against some team that we're less afraid of Um I think it's going to be another one of those years. Uh, love Lamar Jackson. I uh, fully mask off. I think he is probably the player to have, the QB to have in fantasy because you know that he's playing every game for that contract and he just looks so good. Uh, apart from that last game, even though he was playing. Conrad, he had 13 points this week. I, that's why I said apart from that last game. Uh, but he was playing the Buffalo defense is the thing. So um, can't really fault him for that. Um, if you actually watch the tape, he always looks really good. Buffalo's run defense is insane, and that's really what holds back Lamar's true floor value. Um, and their pass defense is also nothing to sneeze at. Um, I think, I think in general, though, uh, something I'm interested about Telford's team, and this is this could be seen as a minor note, but um, Chase Claypool, um, who you know was definitely expected to regress a little bit this year, zero targets, zero catches. Uh, Wait, that oh, can't oh. be true. Sorry, sorry. He, he had Chase Claypool, two targets, zero catches. Um, is he, it, is it time to drop Chase Claypool across your fantasy leagues? Uh, I would say yeah. I mean, I think uh, with Pickett starting from here on out, I think it's going to be mainly Fryermuth and Pickens. Um, it's the rookie preseason connection, and then it's just the uh, tight end safety blanket. I don't know. Uh, once again, I'm coming at this from a college football standpoint, but Pickett was one of those quarterbacks that loved a receiver like Claypool in college. And I think uh, as the weeks go on, uh, he's definitely got a uh, – Claypool's definitely got a chance to really ruffle some feathers and if you need to drop him now, drop him. But by weeks – 10, he's probably going to be a viable flex option. Uh, Cambo, I'm, I'm, this is a bit of a, uh, a topic change, but um, you were waving the white flag uh, about an hour into this week when Tua was uh, on the floor in that horrible situation. Um, and you ended up coming away with, your fourth win in the row. I I don't know the last time your boys even lost in fantasy. It's been it's, it's been quite some time. 
Um, you pulled it out over your old enemy, um, Will Tamke. Uh, and you're a 4-0. You're, 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 you're sitting pretty. I mean, how, how confident are you feeling right now? Are, are, are you feeling like this 4-0 and this reigning title? Do you feel like you're living up to it? Or do you feel like it's been uh, a little bit of a shaky 4-0? You know, job's not finished. It's never finished. I'm going to still bring my brown bag. We're not lunch pail. We're at brown bag levels. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm Tad very... that brown bag every day to the DOJ. Just let the record show. Yeah. I'm very confident. <laughs> exactly. I'm very confident in every position right now, except for quarterback play. Aaron Rodgers is serviceable. I'll have to start him this week as of right now. Um, I kind of waved the white flag looking at, uh, you know, Lamar projected 23. Uh, I thought that Teddy Bridgewater would be serviceable and could maybe get some touchdowns to Waddle. Thank God that didn't happen. Uh, You know, and James Robinson also struggled – this win, I don't feel the best about, uh, but you'll take it. It's a long season. Yep. Even though I don't have a loss currently, I'm expecting one to come. I don't see myself winning out uh, the rest of the year. I just don't <laughs> think that's feasible, and I don't know if that's ever happened. I am happy uh, with my Romeo Daubs pickup that I got last week. Uh before his 11-point game this week, uh, before he even hit the market higher. And I think by the uh, week nine, week nine mark, week eight, week nine mark, I could be stacking Rodgers and Daubs, uh, Daubs and the flex, Rodgers quarterback, uh, because I really do believe Daubs will be wide receiver one in Green Bay uh, by the end of the year. Uh, you know, I, I think I am agreeing with what you're saying. I mean, QB play, um, I, this is a year where I really spent up on QB in all my leagues, except for one, I have Herbert Mahomes and Kyler across three of them. And then in the other one, uh, I waited on it and I got Stafford and it's just, obviously that was just an unfortunate pick in general for where he was going. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not fun to have to stream, uh, and have to, I mean, I don't have Stafford anymore, but he's who I had been playing for the first few weeks. Um, it's, you know, I mean, all the fantasy big brain people know that QB is uh, tends to be the most overrated position. But, I mean, this this is a year where you really want to trot out someone that, you know, just like having Mahomes at the top of your roster, like having Josh Allen out there, it's it, it keeps you competitive for every single game. It it makes you, you know, you're going into Sunday night, Monday night, Sunday afternoon, just trailing by a ton. And I mean, you know, those guys are going to put you on. Whereas, you know, you're, it's going to take some total flash in the pan out of someone like Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins or something like that. So, I mean, while, while it does concern me, I was looking at your team today because I was wondering about this nine Heinz trade. And yeah, I mean, I, I was impressed. I think um, if you want to trade me Gabe Davis, I'd be down because I still believe in the value. Um, I think that uh, Naeem Hines is as your running back as not even you're not even starting him this week uh, for probably one of the few opportunities he's going to really get this year to be startable. I think that's a testament to how how good this lineup is. 
Well, thank you for that, Conrad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I'm usually one that always spends up on quarterbacks in my leagues, and this year I didn't do that. And I know statistically everybody looks at it and it's like, it, by the end of the season it averages out. Yeah, it might average out in that Mahomes isn't that many fantasy points more than your 12, 13, and 14 but your 12, 13, and 14 quarterbacks are probably losing you more games than if you were to have spent up. Yep. Uh, because week by week, it is so nice and so valuable to be able to throw someone like Lamar or Patrick or Allen just into your lineup and just set it and forget it. Whereas this week, it's like I had thought about playing the waivers and I'm like, you know what? I'll ride with Aaron Rodgers and see what happens. But you know, it's tough. It's It really is tough out here if you don't have one of those top five or six quarterbacks. I'm interested to hear Jack's takes on uh, Tampke's roster just because while we saw the Javante Williams injury, uh, he still had some points on the bench, but not too many. Uh, actually, now that I'm looking at it, abysmal bench performance. <laughs> 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 I mean that that's to be expected with Tamke. We all know he he keeps it high and tight, just like his haircut. <laughs> I mean, look look at his team. It's really just going to be can Lamar pop off, can CMC pop off, and can Waddle pop off. If that doesn't happen, he's going to be like just stuck in the mud. Especially now that Javante's going to have to get cut. Like, oh my god, it's just. <laughs> It's gonna be, it's gonna be unhappy trails for Mister Tamke. Oh. Yeah, I, I will say this. I think one of the, as much as we talk about Will's history in the league, uh, every year, I mean, he's always a team that wins like at least six games, and never more than like eight games. Um, and you know, we always, <laughs> so, some boys sit there like, like, like if you're if you're DJ, you're sitting there being like. I made like 90 moves this year and Will made two and Will got two more wins than me. Like, how could this have happened? And honestly, I think a big part of that is luck. Uh, I think Will has avoided the injury bug in his time in this league. Um, he's a guy that's uh, always make sure he sets his roster. He's never going to play someone that's injured or out or on a bye week. Um, but he is going to just hold on to his boys all year. And um, I think now he's really in a situation. I mean, we've talked about it every single episode, but I really do think he's in a situation now where I think his hand's going to be forced for a trade right now. Um, I think that uh, you really need a third running back. I think James Robinson is actually a fine running back too. If you, if Christian McCaffrey's your hero and number one. Um, but I mean, this is just fantasy football is a sport that you need bare minimum three startable uh, startable running backs. And um, I mean, not just for the bye weeks, but just, you know, the insurance policy, especially with Christian McCaffrey. Um, if there's ever been a time to make a trade, I, I got, you got to think it's now. Yeah, I agree. And I think we talk about the running back injury bug. I think that brings us on to someone who's also not really been a victim of the injury bug in their time in fantasy from what I remember, uh, Mr. Spencer, uh, 
What True. are your plans to get by without Jonathan Taylor in the uh, coming weeks? Uh, well, I think it'll just be one week, but I understand the question. Um, I'm slotting in A.J. Dillon um, into my RB1 slot, and then hopefully Oof. Damian Pierce can continue the hot hand. <laughs> that's rough, man. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a scary contingency plan, I got to say. I mean – I mean, it's 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 high risk, high reward for AJ Dillon. Like he definitely has the capability to get two touchdowns and like fifty yards, but whew, I don't know. But I really like Damian Pierce this year. I'm excited about what he has brought to the table. I mean, Jack, you got to be feeling good about this matchup. And honestly, if 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 I'm you, I'm I'm also I'm just looking at how your boys ended up just showing out this week. I'm feeling great about it. You know, second highest performance on the week, and you needed just about every single point going against Adam, <laughs> who scored almost 130. Um, frustrating loss on Adam's side of the ball. Uh, I think for you, though, you know, with two of the – I I think, actually, your first two picks – oh, no, no, your, your first-round pick, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and your third-round pick, uh, Kyle Pitt. Who's your second-round pick? Uh, Mike Evans. Okay, okay. Your so your two of your three first round picks combined for uh five point eight points, and I mean the rest of your boys absolutely picked up the slack. Just like insane double digit week across the board. Very impressive showing. I think like if I'm you, I'm just like right, like you said. I mean you gotta keep starting Kyle Pitts because he's Kyle Pitts, and he's just gonna keep you know giving you an eighteen point performance once every five weeks, and then for some reason getting like these like zero to six point performances for every other week. Um, obviously, I think your running back situation is kind of scary right now because Damian Pierce, as you said, is very much a hot hand situation. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think probably just holding out for now is probably your best bet. I definitely think this is one of those injuries that, I mean, if it was McCaffrey, um, I might already be like, oh, shit, I just need to, I need to get ready for it. But I mean, Jonathan Taylor hasn't really shown us any reason to believe that in, this will be any more than a one-week thing. He might have even played if it wasn't a short week. Um, so, yeah, I think you just got to hold tight this week. You, you you might take an L, but then you'll probably have your boy back for, for the next week. Yeah, I think the fact that I've been 3-1 and one with Jonathan Taylor only having one 20-point-plus week and Kyle Pitts only have having one week that's been, like, serviceable – I don't know. I'm pretty excited. Plus, like, Eagles D has been doing me great. DK has been electric these past two weeks. Mike Evans is reminding me why I drafted him with just, like, an insane amount of red zone looks. And uh, Chris Olave, he is just the man in New Orleans. Um, Naswad tried to tra- tried to offer uh, Rashad Penny and Michael Thomas for Jonathan Taylor this past week. And I was like, hell <laughs> Was this before Rashad Penny's big game? No, this was this was after. Okay, okay. So at least I I have the wide receiver to own in New Orleans. Like I'm big number versus small number. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Penny for your thoughts, Cambo. Yeah, I mean, looking at it. I will warn you as a swift owner last year, uh, this is one of those injuries that may be projected out one week and then to two, then to three. 
We'll have to see what happens with the Colts. We'll have to see what happens later on in the season. But really one of the interesting things to me is Mr. Kistler's defense, or not his defense, but his bench, uh, put up 130 points essentially. And if you look at his bench, he's rostering also, besides Daniel Carlson, also rostering Harrison Butker and just holding him. So going to be interesting to see what happens there. And a second defense in the Saints this week is he it's odd, and <laughs> and a second quarterback. It's it's kind of odd. Yes, he really has three. He really had three quarterbacks going into this week, and his bench outscored Jacks. Kissler really could have had a fine week, and really, you look at it, the difference in this week was uh, putting in Garrett Wilson over Darnell Mooney, or putting in James Conner over Damian Harris. And that's probably what I would have done, too. There's no reason to believe in either of those two up until this week. Uh, you know, Kissler's a manager that he is part of the Golden Jacket Club, which Jack is still not a member of. Uh, <laughs> Embarrassingly so. Embarrassingly so. And uh, kind of like me and SGA elections, always second best, but never that guy. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, both of these teams are teams that they play each other. Someone has to take a loss. But you look at Kistler's 2-2, two and two, and I say his record doesn't reflect that. Right. And it's early in the season. Things are going to shake out. I would not be upset uh, with this loss if I was Mr. Kistler, except for pride. And the pride is owning Jack Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have got – if I could have gotten away with – if you would have told me that Jared Goff and Austin Eckler would combine for 64 points, I would right. have told you I never would have won this week. But praise be to Mark Andrews doing nothing. And uh, whew, felt good. Felt good. And also uh, Zach Wilson's late-game touchdowns. Definitely electric for you. I think – I think uh... – as Adam heads into rivalry week, he'll have a good chance to uh, really reestablish himself. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'd also like to talk about uh, another podcaster versus Wyco matchup. Um, I went against Mr. Russell, and guys, this was this was a this was a uh, really defining week for me because I wake up at like nine, uh, like thirty. It's like nine thirty-five or something Eastern time. And the first thing I think of is, oh, no, is Alvin Kamara playing? Because they had given us zero indication that he wouldn't play. But I know how it can be sometimes with those game time decisions, like they had said. Um, And I go to the app. I see the out and the asterisks. I see the zero. I go to the group chat. I see the Metcalf chirp. And uh, I start thinking about, I just start accepting the reality that I'm about to be one in three. I'm about to lose three games in a row and I have to go talk about it for an hour and a half on a podcast. Um, so I was very much scared of that. I was very much not, um, I was very much just kind of just bracing, kind of just saying, Hey, it's, you know, sometimes you have a week where, you know, your wide receiver puts up like two points. So maybe, my boys will pick me up. Like, you know, maybe Joe will have a really bad week. Let's see what happens. Joe had already had the 20 and 10 from Jamar. Um, whereas I had already had the 15 from Mixon. 
Um, so yeah, things were looking great. And then, uh, at just at some point, I mean, there were some points even in the early window where Jalen hurts threw a touchdown to AJ Brown and Joe has Jalen hurts and I have AJ Brown and they overturned it because of a holding penalty. And then Jalen hurts two plays later, ran it in himself. And I was like, I was literally, I mean, I have never been more mad at a single play this year. I was, <laughs> as, as Jack would say, uh, Time keeps off to get that punishment, but then for, to, for, for six. <laughs> so, so yeah. But then, um, you know, really, I think a lot of this can be put for Josh Jacobs, who I've talked about with that RB one finish out of nowhere. Um, but just all my boys really picked me up this week. It was it was amazing to see. It was really rallied around the flag moment. Gerald Everett. Finally proved that I can drop Cole Komet in peace. I have my tight end. Uh, he may not have that dog in him all the time, but that Herbert Everett stack is beautiful. Um, AJ Brown is, I just cannot believe AJ Brown wasn't going in, you know, the late second, early third um, in most drafts. I mean, I have AJ Brown across three leagues and I've just been really happy with him. Um, and yeah, just, just a statement win and the 49ers, you know, uh, if this game was closer uh, going into Monday, I would have sat the 49ers defense just to make sure they don't give me negative points. But uh, I was up by about 10 at that point. So I was like, I'll just go for it. And they, they put up 22 points. So I woke up prepared to uh, lose the week in an embarrassing way. And I ended the week with the number one most points scored finish. Uh, I don't know what more I can say about that. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this really was a, this week really was a, everyone on Joe's team kind of underperformed and you got lucky with the 49ers D and Josh Jacobs. Uh, you look at Joe and he only had two players outperform their projections. Uh, one of them was Tyreek, which, you know, four points over and Hollywood Brown with an extra touchdown essentially. But the end of the game, this game was a lot closer than what the uh, score lends it to be. You subtract the 22 points from your 49ers defense had you sat them and you're looking at, you know, a 20 point win, which is a lot more than a almost than an over 40 point win. And it's fantasy. Weeks like this happen. Uh, I was hoping that this game would be closer uh, without Kamara, and I was enjoying the hell out of Twitter Sunday morning just reading <laughs> all the fantasy owners. <laughs> the Tony had, Soprano meme? Yes, that had benched, that had left Kamara in their lineup, and here he is not sitting. And let this be a lesson to everybody the next couple of weeks as we have four more international games left in the season. You know what? We're adults. It's time to start waking up early on Sunday. (laughs) Even if it means, even if it means waking up for 20 minutes, checking your lineup at seven 30 in the morning and then going back to bed peacefully, maybe turn on some pregame and then fall asleep to the beautiful noises of the NFL network theme song. Uh, You know, just let this be a lesson, and uh, I really wish we could give you more shit. Uh, that was one of the 
I saw that and immediately I was like, this is going to be the best week of the podcast. <laughs> and here you are pulling away with a over 40 point win victory over and, Mr. Russell. Uh, yeah, I top, top point finish. I, I, I related with what you're saying, but Jack, uh, waking up early for fantasy. Are you, are you for it? Yeah, I already have to do it for school, so um, and we're already used to it back in the day when the waiver wire was set up in a jank <laughs> manner. <laughs> I just stayed up for that. <laughs> See, I was setting my alarm for 3 in the morning. You were already up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, built different. But uh, again, like going against Jalen Hurts is very terrifying. It's very frustrating, even though this was a week where he underperformed. Um, and just, just like the Hurts and the Chase and the Hill and even the Hollywood Brown. I mean, this is just a team that will kill you over the top. Um, honestly, though, if I am Joe, i probably move one of those dynamic wide receivers to figure out this running back situation because Antonio Gibson is going to be dropping fast. And Joe's stopgap measure would have been Cam Akers, but Cam Akers is just as uh, – it's, it's just – pretty much garbage at this point so joe is has a disaster on the horizon and um joe maybe trade with someone who doesn't listen to the podcast give up antonio gibson and uh antonio gibson and one of your top wide receivers and get yourself a get yourself a wide a running back two for the rest of the year or even a running back one because deke's not a real running back one if y'all so joe and i were in some trade talk i'll air it out here it was gonna oh. be jt and jalen hurts for uh or JT and Joe Burrow for Jalen Hurts and either one of Elliott or Gibson. Do you guys do that? So you're trading, sorry, you Burrow and Jonathan Taylor for uh, for Jalen Hurts and Gibson or who? Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, uh, I, I don't do that if I'm you. I, I think that's a better, I think that's Joe getting a much better side of the deal. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Um, at the end of the day, I think Burrow's going to give you 20-point weeks. Jalen Hurts might give you m- more 30-point weeks, but uh, you don't want to give up Jonathan Taylor for Ezekiel Elliott at the end of the day. Um, and then uh, going over to uh, the last matchup we want to discuss, uh, Noswad versus Tommy. Um, unfortunately, Tommy has fallen to 0-4. As Cambo said, the league is perfectly balanced as all things should be we have one team, one oh and four team, uh three three and one teams, three one and three teams, and then the rest of the four teams are two and two. Uh with all balance, with all victory, there must become there must come sorrow. Um Tommy, uh, we'll get to him in a second about his waiver wire move. But uh it's been rough sledding for him. Um can't say it's uh can't can't say it's not an unforced error. Um but just generally, just 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 a difficult situation. I mean, Debo and Josh Allen have been giving him exactly what what he needed out of them. I mean, the Hayden Hurst pickup was nice. His team just, you know, they're 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 doing fine. They're just they're just they're they're making their way around, and they're just they haven't gotten lucky at all. I mean, they haven't been a good team, but I mean, I think most situations, Tommy's at least one and three, if not a low scoring two and two. Um, and it's just compounded as awful because it's Tommy and it's just, you know, it's, it's risky, but Tommy said he's going to stay feasting. So 
let's all hope for that. Noswad on the other side with the uh, 3-1 start, now second place in the league. Uh, of course, all systems still say that Noswad's team isn't that good. Uh, I think the Cordial Patterson injury definitely affects that. I don't think Rashad Penny is going to be a guy you can depend on really at all. I think this is very fluky week. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't be that hard on Tom, on Noswad's team. I think he got a great pickup with Etienne. Um, I think that Stefan Diggs can always kill you. I think Saquon at this point, I think he's the RB one in fantasy going forward, barring an injury. Um, so yeah, I think if you're Noswad, you're feeling good. If you're Tommy, just got to keep the faith. I mean, 0-4 is just one of the worst feelings, but you know, don't let it be 0-5. You got a great chance against one of your big rivals next week. Here's the deal. I mean, yeah, Tommy's not going to listen to this anyways, uh, more than likely. And if so, I'd like verbal confirmation that he does. But Tommy was a normal Amari Cooper game away from winning this. You look at the rest of his lineup, nothing, you know, maybe you lose a few points in your defense and your kicker. Oh, well. But you, Josh Allen doesn't have a career game, but he's – a little under, but really the Amari Cooper right there was uh, what killed him, and uh, it happens. It's fantasy football. He has Debo. I love Debo. Khalil Herbert, until David Montgomery's back, great player to have. Dalvin's Dalvin. I suggest trying to get Pry Madison. You've got Josh Allen. You know, if Geno Smith keeps playing his Geno Smith way, you have Tyler Lockett, and honestly, like, I'm to the point I might consider starting Conklin over Hayden Hurst just because the tight end and the receiving core in Cincinnati is so crowded that Conklin could become a better play as Zach Wilson does come back. And with Noswad's team, uh, you know, it's a Noswad special. It's a low hundreds game. I'm going to grind it out and win it. Uh and his team underperformed this week, but yeah, honestly, I don't see, I don't see a reason for either of these two managers. I see more reason for Dawson to be upset than I do for Tommy to be upset. And I think that at the end of the day, if you're Tommy, take the moral victory. You're Mizzou. You, uh, you're playing one of the big dogs, and you hang in there. Boys, unfortunately, a few minutes of the podcast at this point was lost. But just know that Tommy's waiver wire $75 acquisition of Mike Boone was thoroughly roasted, and Jack had to step out of the podcast at this point. We now return to your regularly scheduled program. And also for, for Noswad, I mean – he is really blowing through his money. Um, it's it's aggressive, and I like it. I mean, he's getting his boys. I will admit for the first time on the show that for once, Noswad actually did take my players, and he got a perfect fab move last week. Um, I wanted David Njoku. Um, thankfully, I probably won't need him because of Gerald Everett, but I really would have liked him. So I put a $7 waiver claim, and Noswad put in a perfect $8 waiver claim. So that one hurts, and I got to give Noswad his props for that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, boys are definitely popping off on the waiver wire. Telford was ready to make like a 
$35 bid or something like that on, on the same boy that, uh, that Tommy ended up being able to secure. Um, I mean, Cam, are you, are you waiting to blow your stack on, on something valuable or are you just going to keep, just keeping the faith? So, uh, you know, I spent a little on Dabs last week and got some value. I really think out of that, uh, kind of, I always, I always mismanage my FAB and I end up having too much left at the end of the season. I'm trying to correct that. Uh, that's interesting. But as it, as it goes on week by week, uh, streaming defenses and kickers does become more expensive as everybody is ready to get into the playoff hunt. As well as uh, you know, we're only we're only in week four of the uh, we're only through week four. We're heading into week five, and the injury bug is probably coming uh, sooner rather than later. You look at it with Tua, with Jonathan Taylor. Corderell Patterson leads me to question what's next, what's going to be the next big play. And, right. uh, you know, there are some teams where hand, you know, while Madison's one of the few handcuffs that's really rostered, uh, could be looking at even some quarterbacks who aren't starting right now, getting spent $10 on just because they're in a good situation. Uh, and I think that, as the season goes on, people tend to spend more and more. I don't – I've seen this happen before with things like Tommy and uh, what you were saying about Noswad. I think uh, it's bound to happen. And at the end of the day, Noswad's probably not even going to get into the 90s with what he's spent. Uh, that first year, you kind of go one way or the other. You have a week like – where Tommy spends 75 or Nodwa goes back to back. And now he's probably going to be scared after listening to the podcast <laughs> next week. Noswad, go out and spend. You're fine. Uh, just think of everything as percentages. Don't think of it as dollars and you'll see what you can and can't spend on. Mm. I've Yeah. I, it's definitely the approach I've been having. And um, it's crazy every year with these waivers because it's like, Every year, there's one or two guys where it's like, oh my god, if I can get this guy off waivers, that will that can be a league winner. And it's crazy how it's like, how did we go 10 or 11 weeks with no one having this person? Um, these things happen. There's there's limited bench spots. You know, um, you don't think to stash like Joe Mixon's backup because I can't even think who that is right now. But I can tell you that uh, Mixon gets. Oh, P Ryan's still the backup there. I believe so. Well, regardless, like it's he's unrosterable. He's unrosterable because he he gets he gets like almost no touches, and so you just don't think about it. And then once if Mixon got injured, I mean, let's hope not. But if he got injured, all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, what? There's only one running back that can replace, uh, you know, this guy on a dynamic winning offense. So, yeah, definitely excited to see how that develops. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that brings us to our final segment. Um, you know, Cambo, uh, we're really excited to, to have you share some, uh, college insights into our godless, uh, money hungry world of professional football. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to talk college football over the past two years. I'd say college football has become, uh, much more of a conversation point and, 
that comes from having three Arkansas members in the league and Arkansas having a resurgence for a bit. Kansas looking phenomenal. USC winning the Lincoln Riley sweepstakes and basically becoming a Norman, the University of Oklahoma, Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> look at even Tulane and the American looking looking like a good team. Uh, you know, everybody's team except for Indiana and Vanderbilt look like not that they're going to compete for the college football playoff, but they're at least in bowl game projections and they're looking at possibly playing in the title game. Arkansas probably dropping two games in the West is not going to be playing in the SEC West title game, but regardless, um, really going to just be a fun year for college football for the league. And in general, this is a, uh, Every team looks beatable. You saw Alabama struggle against Texas. Uh, you saw Georgia this week struggle against Missouri. Uh, every team is beatable except maybe Ohio State. Uh, I if, uh, if you tell me at the end of the season Ohio State is national champions, I'm not going to disagree with you. But yet they still have to play Michigan and they still have to go through the gauntlet that is the Big Ten. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, you see Wisconsin just firing Paul Christ. Uh, if you're a Kansas fan, you're rooting for Jim Leonard to be the second coming and to win out at Wisconsin uh, because Leipold's a Wisconsin guy. Uh, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say for me, this is definitely, I mean, it's it's two very powerful mixes of living with Tamke and KU football being really good. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to Saturdays just as much as I'm looking forward to Sundays as far as uh, consuming media-wise. I mean, for, for you, has, uh, has college football ever eclipsed or gotten, you know, close to level with NFL? Do you think this is the most exciting college football has ever been for you? Do you think last year was better because Arkansas was better? You know, I think it – it happened last year uh, when you saw the season that Arkansas had after so many years of pain, as well as seeing, an, you know, you hate to say Georgia's a newcomer, but they're a newcomer into the landscape, and you saw Michigan do well. Um, I think college football, what it always has been and what it's still, even in the days of NIL, will continue to be, is that you have the moments where Appalachian State beats Texas A&M. You have – it is so much more about the schools and the students and the culture of those schools. And as you get more and more into college football, you see that. Uh, right. See that, you know, while Jalen Daniels is on a Heisman run and a very legitimate Heisman campaign, you know, it's still about the University of Kansas and the culture. Meanwhile, you have the Dolphins and the Jaguars, two teams that haven't had success in a long time. They're on a winning streak, and it's just like, yeah, they're on, they're doing good. You see the Lions right. competing, and it's just, yeah, they're the Lions. And I think that's what makes college football so special. You have, hell, you have James Madison, who's their first year in the FBS, uh, receiving votes. Uh, they won't even be able to be in a bowl game, but you still see those storylines fade out and come to play. 
And I think that's what makes college football so exciting. So, yeah, I think we're on year number two of me appreciating college football more than I do the NFL. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I got to admit, even like uh, going from being at a at a Michigan bar uh, a couple Saturdays ago to being at a Chiefs bar, it just it, it felt way more like kind of just like a loose association of like people that were just like a fans of this team at the Chiefs bar kind of, even though it was a cool bar. Um, Michigan just felt like it was just, yeah, it was so, so much more than the players and so much more than even the actual game itself. And there's not much more you can get beyond the actual game when it comes to, uh, the pros. Um, but yeah, I guess, okay. The, some, before you go, um, and unfortunately Jack had to leave near the end of this episode, but, um, but before we close out here, Cambo, I would love to hear uh I would love to hear your predictions for uh who is going to come out on top of each conference and what the college football playoff uh will ultimately look like. And uh, you know, I want to hear a real prediction, not necessarily just your what you'd hope it would look like. Yeah, I mean, you look at the SEC, it's Alabama and Georgia. Uh Unless Tennessee pulls off the unthinkable and can knock off Georgia, uh, you're probably looking at another Alabama-Georgia SEC title game. I don't think, however, this year that we could be looking at two SEC teams in the college football playoff. Uh, Interesting. I I think you head over to the Big Ten. Whoever wins the game is going to the college football playoff just like last year, whether that be Ohio State or Michigan. Penn State's frisky, but they're all in the same division. And they're probably going to play Wisconsin or Minnesota, and they're going to win that game pretty easily. I would say, though, however, if Ohio State wins, if Ohio State or Michigan win big against each other and then drops – somewhere along the line in the Big Ten title game, maybe there's a possibility of two teams in the national or in the – That'd be wild. Uh, But I don't think so. Clemson's winning the ACC. They handled North Carolina State, who's going to be probably their only competition. They can even probably drop a game to Pittsburgh or whoever, and they're still winning – the ACC. The Big 12 is probably the tightest race this year. You have OU and Texas both with down years. OU is not going to the college football playoff. Uh, Oklahoma State looks really good. I really hope and I really think this is the year that Mike Gundy gets things done in Stillwater. Uh, Oklahoma State, most people don't know this, has actually been one of the most consistent teams in college football over the past decade and a half. When Mike Gundy said he was a man, he's 40. He's almost 60 now, but he's still the same Mike Gundy. Uh, (laughs) And I think you're looking at one of Baylor, Kansas, or Kansas State. Not really Kansas. I'm high on the Jayhawks. I hope they beat TCU. But the Big 12 is just going to be one of those conferences that cannibalizes itself. Uh, the Pac-12, this is USC's conference to lose. Um, oh, are we going to see USC in the CFP? I think we will. I think so. Um, 
unless they struggle against UCLA or Oregon, which is a possibility. They're both good teams this year. Uh, I think college football fans saw how bad Georgia beat Oregon and kind of wrote off the Ducks, but they're still a good team. Um, But it's just – and then with the American, I mean, the group of five is so weak this year. Cincinnati's going to win it, but they're not going to – they're probably going to New Year's Six game too, but they're not going to be that team that everybody is, like, excited about. This year, you're not going to see a power a group of five team get calls to make the college football playoff. But like, I don't and know. One Notre Dame's that, out of the equation too. Notre Dame's out of the equation of the independents. BYU's got a slim outside shot if they beat Arkansas next week in Provo, uh, which the odds of that happening are sadly kind of strong. Uh, you're but, right. Even then, BYU doesn't get to play as tough of a schedule as Notre Dame does, and that's always what's pushed Notre Dame over the top. Um, but if this was a 12-team playoff right now, I'm so excited for that time to come because yep. we would have so much more excitement uh, in college football, and taking a loss or even taking a second loss – doesn't put you out of the equation like it does now. Uh, Arkansas is a team that they've got their two losses. They're not making a New Year's Six game. That's unfortunate. You know, the Outback Bowl is nice, but eventually you want to have that something else to compete and something else to show recruits. If I were to give a prediction right now for the Final Four, it's probably going to be Alabama – Clemson, Ohio State, and USC, somewhere in that order. Uh, I just think Alabama beats Georgia, and I think the other teams are good enough to not necessitate putting in two SEC teams this year. Well, I we can definitely hope for a USC versus KU national championship game, yeah. but at the very least – the very least, it's as you said. It, it seems that, um, you know, if if Alabama has some weakness or Georgia, they both have had some really big scares. If 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 either of them blink, and then they lose again, um, we will likely see a cultural playoffs with only one SEC team, and that is already forward progress in my mind. Cambo, uh, it was great having you on. Uh, you definitely brought the knowledge in both collegiate and professional and fantasy. I mean, uh, apart from the fact that your hogs are taking L's, uh, things are going pretty well for you right now. So uh, uh, let's hope that the pain turns to uh, euphoria, continues to be victories for all your boys. Um, and if you got to sacrifice some fantasy losses for some hog wins, I think you should take it. that trade. I'd take it. I really would. I really hope uh, playing Mississippi State this week, the boys can fire off a dub. Uh, Mike Leach is a good coach, but you got to believe in the pit boss. And after two losses and with a tough, tough trip trip to Provo next week, I think I think this might be the week. The sacrificial lamb. I would gladly be the sacrificial lamb. Well, Cambo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on, Mister Mojica. 
a wonderful episode. It was a great week, and we are looking ahead to Rivalry Week, where yet another hog will join us afterwards, Will Frankie. We're very excited for that episode. So gear up, talk mad trash, get ready to take down your greatest opponent, your greatest friend, your brother, your enemy, and at the end of the day, uh, begin to your game. Uh, and I'll close you out with this. Thank you. Put down a